Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Well, hello and welcome to Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Today we are going to conclude Alana's story. As you can recall, she explained a little bit about how she grew up and how her relationship was with boys, as well as the relationship with her mother as she was growing up, and to the point where she met her husband, Scott, and then when things started to change. Here is a little recap of where we left things last week at the end of her story, part one. Little did I know that that one sentence was the beginning of a complex situation that turned my life upside down. I began searching for men online. I was more attractive than I was when I was younger and could therefore attract more handsome men. I had no motive to settle down with someone, so I had no fear of a man using me for sex. This gave me a newfound confidence with a new online world of apps, even though my competition had exploded. There are so many women online now, and the whole swiping thing is so different. Back when I met Scott, you had profiles and you read them. You weren't carrying five conversations at once and needed to be super original because you needed to stand out amongst 50 girls who looked just like you or better. And now for the conclusion of Alana's story. Then I met Kent, a real estate agent who was witty, handsome, and wealthy. He persuaded me to meet him at his condo before going out for drinks. We sat on the rooftop of his condo late in the evening and looked at the city lights. I couldn't remember the last time I was in a bondage cocktail dress and stilettos. Scott doesn't drink, so sharing a bottle of wine just doesn't happen. I felt like a new-age Cinderella by the sheer fact that I didn't have to put my kids to bed. We didn't even make it out for drinks. I cheated. The full Monty. It wasn't just a kiss this time. It was different because I could actually picture my life with Kent. Within a couple of days, reality set in, and then within a couple of weeks... Kent was gone. I had sex, and sex, and more sex, until one day when a young buck joked about buying munchies in a convenience store after a romp, and that I should be paying if I'm his sugar mama. Barf. But it got me intrigued. If I were having all of this meaningless sex outside of my marriage, then I should be paid for it. I joined a sugar daddy website. 
I was a niche, an educated woman married with her kids in her 30s looking for an arrangement. I did appeal to certain men, though, ones who didn't want drama or flakiness or to be too many generations apart. Also, I had a family of my own, so I had something to lose as well. I always led with the fact that I'm not hurting for money, so I, too, was in it for pleasure. Theoretically, I put myself in unsafe situations, but I never feared for my life. I think I believed, since I had already agreed to have sex with them, that they were really getting what they wanted anyway. We would meet at a restaurant for a drink, typically before taking things further, so I could decide if it was someone I wanted to be intimate with. Usually, the men rented hotels or in some cases at their home, in one case my home. Being desired was how it all started and the fuel that I needed. The fact that a man would pay to sleep with me gave me validation that I'm attractive and sexy. Of course, my husband was not aware of this. I began to get so paranoid. My marriage was improving and I tried to end it with the only sugar daddy I had. I stopped talking to him cold turkey and he didn't know why. I admitted myself to a hospital overnight because of the stress. Now, my husband knew I was going into the hospital for stress, and I had arranged for someone to be with the kids. I was there overnight, and the hospital had wanted me to stay two weeks. I had ultimately felt too guilty leaving the kids for so long and came home the next day. Scott didn't understand what admitting oneself to the hospital meant. Even though I was honest with what I was doing, I hadn't told him why. I was familiar with my mental health decline and the fact I was not working a full-time job. When I got out and after a couple of days, my sugar daddy showed up at my doorstep with a new iPhone for me to keep and to hide from my husband so he wouldn't find out about us. I was flattered he bought me the phone and showed up. So I fake cried and said my husband found out about us. He gave me some money and I slept with him in my house. I took the phone but knew my husband would find it, so I told my husband I bought it from someone online. I confided in two close friends who were with me along the way. Neither of them judged me and they listened as they had been there through this whole thing, before, during and after. They didn't have a reaction, which is the best reaction and what a true friend would do. They let me figure it out on my own. Ultimately, I slept with other men for a year and slept with men for money for nine months after that. I slept with a number of them until I found two men who gave me an allowance. They became my two main sugar daddies. There is a pay per visit, which is anywhere from three to $500 typically, or allowance, which can be $1,500 to $4,000, depending if you get rent paid for instead of gifts. I just always wanted cash. I realized that I was addicted to the easy money and the validation. One of the guys I feared was a stalker. I told him I was sick and he came into my house when I was sleeping, came into my bedroom and was watching over me when I woke up. He had left soup on my kitchen table. 
He didn't understand how that was not okay. His wife told me she knew about me and she wasn't happy about it. She said she was okay with an open marriage because she cheated too, but he said no. He wanted to work things out. He lied and continued to see me. After I finally ended it, he started seeing another woman from the Sugar Daddy website and then another after that. He and his wife lived together through COVID and got along well, but are still in the midst of a divorce. She also started giving me financial advice on the phone in case my husband and I ever divorce. I told her that I didn't see that in my future. The stalker guy emailed my husband at work to give him enough clues that I was cheating. However, I feel my husband should have known. He found sex toys in my bag that I was leaving the house with. I said that I keep them in the bag so the kids don't find them because they always open my drawer. It made no sense. I also had gum and baby wipes in the car. I told mutual friends what I was doing. It was almost like I wanted to be caught until things were improving and then I didn't because at this point, I was scared I would lose him. He was suspicious after the email he got, so finding out was actually a relief for both of us. We are now in the best marriage we could have imagined and it has been for the last three years. The discovery was in March of 2019. I look at him totally different since the day he found out and I treat him very differently. He says I have the rest of my life to make it up to him. Sometimes he asks me to tell him about the men I've been with during sex. We have sex one to two times a week and it's always the full shabam. Around the one year mark, he reminded me that this time of year is going to be tough for him. He has told me it's hard knowing the men I saw got the best version of me. They got a woman who was flirtatious, horny, willing to please and be pleased with extensions, fake nails, big lashes, big shoes, and usually boozy. Oh yes, I was boozy. He wonders why people never told him I was cheating who knew I was. He has that jealousy, but I make sure to wear the lingerie the other men bought for me for him once in a while, and he doesn't mind. I learned a lot about myself through this journey, but it wasn't without a lot of self-discovery. There is a lot more darkness to the story in which I felt that should he have found out about my affair, I was going to have to kill myself. So in my mind, I had already cheated once, so it didn't matter anymore if I did it again and again and again. I was just a ticking time bomb, and people one day were going to find out how messed up I was. When he found out and forgave me, it was like he gave me another chance at life. He cleaned my slate, and the fact that he could forgive me, knowing everything I did. I have told him every single thing, every single detail I could remember, every single guy. It shows how comfortable he is in himself and how confident he is. After years together, his perfection was his fault. I had began thinking of him as a wuss. He was afraid of spiders. He doesn't drink beer. He drove the speed limit. I called him too sensitive. 
He's not the type of guy to pull my hair during sex or hold me against the wall, but now he doesn't have to be. That shit is scripted. Our passion is real and it runs deep. If I could change what I have done, I can honestly say I wouldn't change it. I don't have guilt and I am at peace, but I do not see myself going down that road again. My advice is get your ducks in a row during an affair because if you are having one, it means your needs aren't being met and it's gonna blow up in your face. While I was sugar babying, I was growing a nest egg, so when my husband did find out, I would have enough for legal fees. Thoughts on the past. It's really crazy to look back. It wasn't even that long ago, but I feel like a completely different person. The first year after D-Day, as happy as I was to have a wonderful marriage, I still mourned the ability to be paid for sex. It felt like the ultimate validation knowing not only was I enough, I was enough to be paid for and I could make an older successful man fall for me. There were two main guys. One was the guy who fell for me and I ended it and the other was Pete. He was in his early 50s, married with adult children and owned his own company. He knew where I had lived because I had considered turning my basement into an Airbnb. Also a backup plan for a possible divorce, so one of us could live downstairs and the other upstairs, but if we stayed together, we could rent it out. Pete came over and did sketches of the basement, and we talked about finishes and renovations, all of which I was very interested in. I had always drank before he came over. Even at 9 a.m. I would have downed a couple of strong drinks. I considered it a work day with weird hours and sometimes had one after to unwind like it was the end of my shift. I would sleep all afternoon and make sure I was sober to pick up the kids and consider that a successful day. I saw Pete and the stalker guy at the same time, but when I ended it with the stalker guy, I naturally had more time for Pete. We had never texted. It had always been strictly sex and renovations talk and somehow it turned into more. I had been in therapy at the time and my therapist tried to tell me that my actions affected other people. At that point, I wasn't thinking about anyone but myself. One time during sex, he said he loved me. I must have looked like a deer in the headlights. Afterwards, he said he only said it because he knew I wanted him to. Pete had said he thought about where my kids would go to school and how things could work. The connection was fake on my end. I was only in love with his dick. It was the largest dick I had ever been with and he was older so he went at a slow pace. I could really feel him unlike I had ever experienced before. He would say I was made for him, but I think I was the only woman who ever managed to take his cock vaginally and anally. I was a trooper. I'm likely loose as I never did kegels after I had kids, which is part of the reason I'm lucky my husband hasn't cheated on me. He forgets what tighter feels like and he can still get off. Anyway, I forgot this part earlier, but Scott had looked over my shoulder one time when I was drunk on my birthday. He had the password to my phone for months without me knowing. I always had my phone on me so he could rarely check it. 
But eventually, by looking in my deleted photos, he found a close-up sex video of Pete's dick entering me. He sent it to himself through the iCloud, so later when I came out of the shower and saw my phone, I saw the video had been sent and received by him. It took him a few months to delete the video. I believe he masturbated to it more than once before deleting it. The situation has had him very conflicted because of how I betrayed him, but also how me being wanted and with another man turns him on. At this point it is clear that if I'm with someone else it is over. I haven't even the slightest interest. Funny thing is I had always said I wanted to invite a guy to our bedroom and now that he has finally said we can, I no longer feel the need to. Our sex life is amazing and I don't want to mess up a good thing. I'm not quite sure how you want to paint this story. I was very troubled during this time of cheating. I was drinking and driving, having unprotected sex, but I am doing much better now. I don't know who your audience is, but 99.9% .9 of women would hate my guts. I have been able to tell a couple of close friends because they know the real me, but my husband can't tell people out of fear that they will hate me forever. I have done a lot of self-improvement in the last couple of years and found a lot of support through discovering my autism. Often, women get diagnosed with anxiety and depression and don't realize they have autism until later in life when they have children with it and experience difficulties at work and managing life. All too often, they go never knowing. Women with autism tend to learn to mask their true selves. The reason I didn't brush my hair and wore baggy clothes as a child likely were because of sensory reasons. The autism profile is drastically different than in a typical male, therefore overlooked by many medical professional. Anyways, it's pretty interesting. I had told two people during all of it, and now that is over, I have told probably eight or so more people about it, none of which have ended our friendships or said anything negative. I am told that they have said among themselves that I am in a better place and have joked some to my face that they would like more details when the opportunity allows for it. But overall, they are just happy that Scott and I are doing well and support us. Alana, thank you so much for your story. I've enjoyed chatting with you off and on over the last few months, getting all these details so that we could get your story ready for this episode. I appreciate the details that you shared and the things that you were feeling and being able to say, hey, this is how I was feeling. I've already crossed this line. What the hell? I'm going to continue going down that road. And yet still being able to come back talk to your husband for you guys to be stronger now than you were before. That is rare. This doesn't happen very often. Um, but I, I really do appreciate your, like I said, your honesty. And I wish you so much the best for you and your family. And again, thank you so much, Alana. What happens when a woman cheats on her spouse or partner? As with any form of infidelity, there is always pain, sadness, and collateral damage. We've listened to many stories of women sharing their own infidelity. But what does the husband or betrayed partner go through? My wife and I were together for 19 and a half years. 
We married on November 24, 2001. Six months later, during the same two-week period that we were creating our youngest son, she had an affair with one guy three different times. She said it was because I wasn't telling her she was beautiful often enough, and it was someone that she had known before we had even been dating and was attracted to him, but she had never had the chance to sleep with him. She didn't tell me about this for a year and a half, and she also told me that she had been with 21 men prior to us meeting. To hear the full story and more stories about the betrayed partner's side of the affair, or being the other woman or other man, subscribe to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity's Patreon. With a $3 a month pledge, you will have access to these bonus episodes, plus have early access to regularly released episodes. Visit rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link to subscribe today. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Every story is always anonymous. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again, and be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.